Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. You are listening to episode number 40, A Model of Success. As a sous chef, model, and mindfulness practitioner, Natasha Lee leads the way with empathy. Though she is a woman with many gifts, after this interview, I would venture to say that her core talent is understanding situations as well as having an awareness of self and others. Mindfulness plays a big part in Natasha's success. Without further delay, I introduce to you Natasha Lee. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. You're here with the one and only host, Maurice Manley, serial entrepreneur. And in studio, I have a very lovely guest, multifaceted, talented, model, sous chef, mindfulness practitioner. She has a organization called New Advocacy for Life, Natasha Henry. How are you today? Doing good, doing good. It's good to be here with you. We have a lot to uh, get into because you have all these aspects of you. <laughs> yes, multi-layered. Yeah, yeah. That that's a good thing. It's not bad. Now, you, you mentioned that your parents are immigrants from the West Indies. Yes, yes. What kind of impact has that had on you in your life? A big one. Um, I think right now we're in this era. Um, with Trump being our president, where immigrants, uh, that issue is very touchy. Coming from a Jamaican mother and a Haitian and Dominican father who came to this country pretty much to make something for themselves. Mm-hmm. My dad came here when he was uh, 10 years old on fifth grade education and kind of hustled his way to, uh, he originally came here to Florida and then he hustled his way to get to New York. My mom had to leave everything behind and come here to start over and you know create a life, lived on the floor for a little bit. Um, so coming from that background and seeing them work and you know bust their butts for me, I can't take anything for granted. Wow. How difficult was that for you at a young age, See, witnessing? I would say that they did their best to not show me. The only how I knew I came from uh, difficult circumstances because I was able to compare. Once I started going mm. to school, I was like, huh, they, they got Jordans. Or, hey, they got right. <laughs> name brand food. You know, And I was able to make those comparisons. And I look at my situation, I'm like, we have generic food. And my mom did the best that she could, but I was looking at everyone else and being uh. that kid, right? So that's when I started noticing, like, ah. Uh, okay. okay. Did that make you feel any... 
less than or not not personally less than but just you know as kids you you want things that you see your friends with and and then when you go and you try to ask for it or get it and it's like well no we can't do that I think it was a blessing though because their nose is what made me be like okay you can't give it to me I'm gonna go find out how Mm. I'm gonna get it myself right Mm -hmm. um my mom was a big advocate for no. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she, she was like, absolutely not. Um, and I had to learn to live without. So I definitely think it helped me a lot. Okay. For sure. And a lot of things, even now in this day, uh, you know, I would rather go read or do something else, go to a museum than to like do pool parties or anything because I know to live without. I know mm. to do my own thing and figure out an alternative way. And my mother, she has an interior design background, so she's, dope and she would pretty much uh just decorate our own like our whole home on a budget um and it would look like this actually right wow. it would be very very elegant and probably spend like 50 dollars doing it and so i learned to make a dollar stretch got it and it sounds like you've also gleaned how to be creative absolutely which is important absolutely i think and that's why I was able to, because I was told no so many times. I was like, you know what? Let me figure out how to do all these things by myself. Mm. So my mom, like her kitchen was her haven, right? We weren't allowed in the kitchen. So okay. I was like, okay, can I, can I learn? No. Okay, fine. I'm going to go to culinary school. I'm going to go teach myself how to cook, right? Oh. Um, same thing with school. It was like, okay, no, gotcha. I'm going to go find out and learn myself. Mm. So that's just always been my thing. It's like, if if you're telling me no, I'm going to go find out. I'm going to find a yes somewhere. It exists, right? So. That's awesome. What do you think you got that fortitude from to say, you know, because a lot of, a lot of us as children and adults, we get rejected and we tuck our tail, hang our head and walk away and don't even try another way. Do you think that was something you were born with or did you learn it somewhere? Um, I definitely learned it from my household. You know, Caribbean parents are not the, uh, they love with the, with the toughest, right? Mm. So it was like, you can cry, but you got to pick up and, you know, keep going. And that's always been my thing. And I think that's also helped me with emotional intelligence and being mindful. Mm. Because understanding that balance, right? Where it's like, I can cry, but I can also understand where it comes from and then be solution-based and then figure out what to do next. Right. Right. And I think very often, um, I mean, we're all kids at the at the end of the day, right? I, I totally agree. <laughs> no matter how old we get, we st- we're still children. Yes. And I think once we understand our emotions, we're able to keep going. And I, I have no choice because life mm. keeps going. Life doesn't mm-hmm. wait for me because I'm in my feelings about something. Rent still got to get paid. This is true. This is true. I definitely, I think uh, my parents... My family uh, taught me that in New York. Yeah. New York is... is so you were raised in New York. I was raised in New York. I was in the Bronx. Uh, and then I moved to Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And it, they taught me real fast about life and that, like, it doesn't wait for nobody. Right. And coming here to L.A., I definitely brought that hustle here and that mindset where it's like, okay, I could take rejection mm-hmm. because there's something better on the other side. The rejection that has made you stronger. Absolutely. And giving you more discipline. Absolutely. I always say if something is not for you, it's probably meant for someone else's blessing. Right? So there's something out there for you. Just have to have faith. Okay, let's repeat that again. If something is 
not for you. It's probably someone else's it's blessing. It's someone else's blessing. And we can't hate on someone else's blessing, right? We got to be like, okay, it wasn't meant for me. Okay. Yeah. You know, and you keep going, and then you find your blessing, right? I think that's, for me, uh, again, understanding mindfulness is being like, it's knowing your place and being self-aware. Hmm. Yeah. And knowing that you're not the only person in this world, and we all have problems, mm. right? So that's really, really a, a big thing. And I think in modeling is something that I've learned, too, is that it's so easy. It's such an ego-based industry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very. It's, 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 it's all ego. It's ego-based, and sometimes it's a little bit soul-crippling, you know? Mm. Um, when I was in New York, I was doing great you know I was booking campaigns I was mm. getting features in magazines I was doing amazing and I get to LA and they're like mm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they were like you're not dark enough or you're too black or you're this or you're that and it was just like okay wow you know that, that yeah that's rough um, so you really have to have a, a strong foundation of self absolutely Absolutely. In that people industry. Will, people will bring you down. They'll make you feel like you're less than. And no one's less than, right? Right. So right. that's, it was very, very, um, very adamant on that. Now, you talk a lot about empathy. Uh, and I, well, let me not assume. Let me ask. Yes. <laughs> empathy, empathy is a big part of, uh, or Maybe not a big part, but it is a part of mindfulness. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. So with regard to empathy, how do you connect with it? So growing up, um, my mom would make, probably go to the grocery store for like $10, $15 a week, right? Mm -hmm. Buy what she can and really make like these full pot meals for the whole family. And I would complain because once I started going to school, I was like, this person has Doritos. Like, you know what I'm saying? This person has, like, a George Foreman girl. And we, what we got, you know? And I will never forget, I went to a soup kitchen at a church in Manhattan. And I was, like, prepping food and giving back. Mm -hmm. And I remember this family coming in. And seeing these two kids and, and thinking to myself, like, no matter how bad I thought I had it, I never had to go to a soup kitchen mm. for food. My mom always figured it out, mm -hmm. you know. I would go to school and, like, okay, it's maybe not the name brand thing, so maybe not that, but the next person next to me has holes in their garments, you know, or is wearing the same shirt every single day. Right. And it's now they're smelly or they're, yeah, that wasn't me. So I always realized and looked at other situations like, yeah, it could be better, but it could be worse. Right. And that's where the empathy came from. Hmm. Okay. And so it came from there. So now it gives you that. But, and this is my first time being in you. So I'm feeling your spirit and your energy you. and you're welcome. And I feel like that empathy is a big part of who you are currently. Yes. Now I, I know I I have seen and witnessed some travesties amongst other people, and I empathize for them in that moment. However, if I'm 100% honest, I'm not, I don't lead my life with empathy. I probably should. Mm. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Right, right. But 
Um, so how did you make that a part of just your overall being? I think it naturally came. Yeah. So right after the soup kitchen, I started volunteering for Feed the Children um, okay. when I was younger. And I would be probably the only kid um, packing up uh, food for, like, the projects and uh, people who were in different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So just naturally, it's made me feel good. It's one of those things where it's like whatever I was going through um, – Whatever I felt, it made me feel good giving back to people who couldn't do nothing for me. Yeah. And I think, um, and I'm blessed to have my older sister who taught me about unconditional love, right? Hmm. So it's, it's giving without expecting or receiving. Yeah, and, I, you know, I totally agree <laughs> with that. Because that's, that's, love is acceptance, right? Yes. Love is giving and it's not saying, you know, you owe me. Love is just being like. Yeah, here you go. Here you go. Freely, no, no conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, I totally agree. As an empathetic leader, is it possible to have too much empathy? If it comes to the point where you're sacrificing um, yourself and you're sacrificing your, your goals or your well-being, absolutely. I think I lead with love, and I mm. think with love comes empathy. Okay. Um, because again, if if I could have empathy for someone, but you know, I could—I don't want to say feel sorry, but I can understand where they're coming from. Okay. And love is understanding. Yes. I don't have to agree with you, and I was sure—I'm <laughs> very outspoken. I surely would tell you I don't agree with you, right? Uh -huh. But I understand. But you understand. And then, how do you? Or is there a way to move from empathy as it pertains to others to um, maybe influencing, persuading them to take action? It's challenging because but it's also a blessing because we're in a space right now where people will invest into something that they care about. Mm -hmm. You can try to sell them on a dream, but they're not going to necessarily... They'll buy it one time if you get them good enough, but they won't come back. You want them to actually invest in the, the story into something that they relate to, that they feel like they're a part of. And I think that's the, the blessing that we find right now. So actually my, uh, my nonprofit is called New Advocacy for Healing. Healing. I'm yes, it's all right. I chopped the whole, <laughs> forgive me. It's all right, <laughs> it's okay. Um, the initials actually are my initials, right? N-A-H, hmm. um, because I've seen myself when I'm, I try to heal people and vice versa, people try to heal me. It was all a healing situation. We're all, okay. We all have been broken in some shape or form. Yes. And I know when I was an adolescent, when I was in junior high school, I had no mentors. I had no one to be like, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, what's wrong? You know, the focus on a lot of government programs are usually on, you know, kids less than 10 years old. Or, you know, freshmen in high school or seniors in uh, in high school where they're looking for college. No one's really looking at that middle right. group. And actually, um, based on research, that middle group is the most impressionable in their whole life. So whatever traumas that you've dealt with when you were an adolescent, you are still unpacking and unraveling right now. Wow. That's scary. Any insecurities, anything that you've dealt with then, you're going to deal with it right now. But you know what? That, that makes... I see that thinking about myself right. because 
there's something that I realized about me that was established when I was in elementary. Mm. And I have been carrying that narrative mm. or that story forward up until recent. And I just recently discovered, oh, snap, that mm-hmm. came from when I was in the fourth grade. Yep. And then, and on top of that, realizing that in the fourth grade, I made the story up by myself. Mm-hmm. You created your own narrative. Right. right. And so now I'm trying to figure out why did I choose that narrative as opposed to all of the other possible narratives. Well, you know, in elementary you trying to figure out two times two, you know, I'm trying to unpack that for you. Right. You know, and I think uh, as we grow as a culture and as we grow as a generation and we become parents or the people who are already parents, mm-hmm. it's really teaching your child and understanding and walking them through the things happening in their life. I saw a video on social media recently where this guy caught his, uh, his daughter having sex and he beat the crap out of her. Mm. And some people were agreeing with him. Some people were like, that's really harsh. And I think that's not going to stop her from having sex, right? It's not right. going to stop her from uh, doing anything. Mm-hmm. But you, what you want to do is make her understand that her choices have consequences. And make her understand her body and, and talk her through it. Right. And I think a lot of parents didn't do that. Yeah, that's true. They didn't know. They didn't know. We can't fault them for that. Right. But we have to learn from that, right? Yeah. And and then going forward, kind of walking them through, walking children through what's happening in their life so they have that understanding. So when they grow up, they're like, okay, they've healed from that. So that means, though, as a parent, they, too, have to have some sense or some sort of emotional intelligence themselves. Absolutely. And a lot of times we find that parents... They don't. They don't. They, they're mad at you like you're their, their you know, spouse. Yeah. A lot of times parents treat their children like spouses or treat them like, you know, they don't have that emo- emotional touch just in their own life. And that, But I think that's a, a, a more modern concept, right? Emotional intelligence. Uh, yeah, it is. But I think that's how we, we're showing that we're maturing as a culture. Right. Definitely. Now, you're a model. Yes. Right. Still, yes. still modeling. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. It's my estimation in order to model, you got to have an extreme amount of confidence yes. and courage. Yes. <laughs> and I can tell you're highly confident. <laughs> I think when you walked in, you said, I am here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so <laughs> what is the best way for a person to establish confidence in your opinion? Oh, confidence is knowing knowing your flaws before mm. anyone else could call them out okay you know no one can tell you about yourself if you know yourself and owning that owning every faction of who you are as a person mm-hmm. and being unapologetically uh, you okay that's confidence so whatever that means you know So then that means that the individual has to be 100% honest with themselves. Yes. Yes. You have to be. That's or tricky. Ha- it's, it's hard. Because there's, there's certain parts of ourselves <laughs> that we don't like. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. It's, having, it's looking at that and saying to yourself that, okay, I don't, I'm not feeling this part, but, but you have to learn to love it. Mm-hmm. It's like a sibling. 
When you know, when you grow up with a sibling, you, you guys can't stand each other, but you love them. Right. You go to bat for them. Yeah. And that's how you kind of have to treat your flaws and just the, the the parts of you that you don't really like or you haven't grown accustomed to. You have to. Yeah. If that takes isolation, yeah, yeah. if that takes... <laughs> that's going to take a few things, that, for a point, depending time, on the person. Right. It takes heartbreak. It takes um, failure. Mm-hmm. But through all of that, that's when you come to the point where you're like. Because what you're speaking of is the same thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago uh, with being told no. Yes. You had the confidence to go and search to find the answers or the solutions to the thing that you were told no to. And not many people, again, adults, have that. And you were a child. Get out the kitchen. Oh, okay, fine. I'm going to go find my own thing. Yeah. I was like, well, can you buy me an easy bake oven then? <laughs> can you get that set up for me so I can do my own thing and leave you alone? Yeah, you can? Okay, cool. Right, right. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. So that's always been my thing. And honestly speaking, if someone, if I get a no and I decide not to go through with this because I didn't want it mm-hmm. that much in the first place. Yeah. I agree. That I mean, it's the same with me. I, and when I look back at certain choices that I've made, I'm like, well, if I'm honest... I didn't want to do that. Right. Because so like, I would have found a way to do it if I really wanted it. Exactly. I, I remember growing up, there was this uh, these bell bottoms, quilted patches everywhere. And <laughs> I wanted them so, so bad. And my parents were like, no, don't touch anything. You go in the store, don't touch anything. Don't look at anything. Stay right by me. Um, needs to hit me with the... Actually, their nose wasn't even no. Their nose was like, I'll think about it. I remember those no's. Or it was like, <laughs> or it was like next time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the next thing back in the store, I'm like, oh, here's the same pen. Next time. Then I got caught on it. I was like, okay, next time and <laughs> I'll think about it means no. Right. So once they said that, okay, cool. Yeah, I know what that means. I need to figure I this need out. I to figure this out is what that means. Right. Exactly. So when you're faced with adversity, where do you pull your, your courage and your boldness from? From Sometimes myself, sometimes my my core support circle. Family. Family. Friends. Friends, for sure. Mm. You know, I think uh, I lean on people as much as they lean on me. Okay. You know, but it, it's, it depends. Sometimes it's Beyonce album. It just depends. You said Beyonce? <laughs> I pull for her all the time. <laughs> Shout morning, out to Beyonce. I'm just saying, that Lion King album was great. Really? Yeah. Everybody's talking about that. Check it out. Okay, so in your opinion, how do we make, and we meaning, you know, people, mindfulness uh, practical in our everyday life? Just be aware. Be aware of something outside of you. So when you're walking down the street or you're in an Uber or you're you're in Starbucks or wherever you're at, you know, get out of your head about, like, what you have going on that day or the next day. Uh-huh. Actually, pay attention to your surroundings. You know, okay. uh, compliment somebody if you see them. You know, uh, without wanting anything, mm. really pay attention to what's going on. Or being alert and observant, and I think that right there, uh, that little bit kind of helps you with being mindful. Okay. Because you're now you're, now you're taking yourself out of who you are as a person, and now you're looking at other people and what they're going through. So is that akin to just being present? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I think a lot of us aren't present. You're right. I think we're either stuck in the past or we have anxiety from the future. Yeah. You know, but we're, we're hardly present. 
And that's where the ego creeps in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the attaching to the past or projecting into the future mm-hmm. and then making the now mm-hmm. one of those two things. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hardly present. Yeah. You know, we use a lot of things as distractions. Even like, like I noticed I listen to my biggest distraction um, is music, which I, I love music. But I'll, you know, put on an, an, a DMX album <laughs> <laughs> or Sade, depending on how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> and I can literally do nothing for three, four hours. You just get stuck. Just get stuck in like the music using mm. it as a distraction and it essentially it kind of inhibits you from life experiencing life because in those four hours i could have been doing god knows what i would accomplish so much so when you're listening to the sade and you say you you get stuck does that mean you just take a seat and you just and i just zone out i zone out are you creating mentally sometimes I can. Okay. But it's very easy to like just get stuck on music. Like I collect albums, like uh, uh, vinyls, a record okay. player, and um, that's my 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 go to is that I just I can just list literally listen and do nothing. I mean, I might get ideas, I might you know, but I can just decompress and not just, just go, just go. And it's, it's a good thing. I said, uh, yeah, it's a great <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> But at the same time, it's like I got laundry. Or <laughs> I got a meeting. I got, I got things I gotta go do. Right. I don't. I Shadé can come on the road with me, you know. Yes. But sometimes it's just like no. I just want to be in my own presence. Mm, okay. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try to just listen to some music and just do nothing. <laughs> and do nothing, cause that's challenge. It's challenging for me now to not do anything, mm. cause I'm so used to just Going. moving and going and. And, and what's funny is when I stop and I don't do anything, mm-hmm. then I start feeling guilty. Mm. A good friend of mine said a couple months ago to me that if you don't change something, God would change it for you. Mm. So if you don't know how to slow down, God will create an uh, experience in your life that will cause you to slow down. Yeah. Right? Or if you are hustling enough god will put something in your pathway to be like okay you got i got faith or just i got hustle i got you know yeah so you should kind of yeah i'm yeah. I, <laughs> hey i'm working on it yeah, i'm, I'm sure. trying and i'm for trying sure. to get out of my head about man i need to be doing this and doing that when really i just need to rest you should just and, be present mm-hmm. I, was, I read this book it's um the defining decade by meg ryan and she's a phd and she talks about like being in your twenties, right? Okay. And how like in your twenties you are so adamant about one of the next best thing and you're like, I need to figure out my life right now. Mm-hmm. Like we're we, everything is so urgent. We're like, mm-hmm. right now. Am I doing enough? Right now, right now, right now. Right. And we talk to, you know, maybe someone in their fifties, someone in, you know, older and they're like it almost seems like they're devaluing our issues. Mm-hmm. But they're just like you're exactly where you need to be. And we're like, no, you don't understand. No, I need I need $5 million in the bank. I need equity. I need all that. They're like, they're like you're, be still, child. Be still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you got Relax. this. Relax. And she makes a, a comparison where she's like, actually, imagine a toddler. And a toddler uh, stubs their toe. 
or falls down, right? Mm -hmm. Or imagine like a toddler, like you give uh, a toddler a $20 bill and they're crying because they want the two singles instead. Right. And you're not faulting them because they don't have the knowledge. They're a toddler, you know? But they don't they don't understand the concept. So they're doing exactly what they are doing or what they need to be doing at that age. Mm. They don't understand. They're gonna get there. Yeah. With like, yeah, give me that twenty dollar bill rather right. than two dollars. But at this point, it's exactly what they need to be. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough. You're a toddler. No one expects you to, to be a smart toddler for you to mm. understand and grasp things like pain. Right. Right? Or or value in money. So the same thing with us. And that for me is really, really huge. When I, that book, is, I recommend that for anyone. It's a game changer. The name again? It's called uh, The Defining Decade. The Defining Def- Decade, Decade yeah. by Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Sounds like there's a lot of like, gems in there. Yeah. It's Meg Ryan or Meg J. I'm, I'm probably messing up butchering her name, but she's, she's dope. Okay. Yeah. Now, do, do mindfulness and empathy, do they work in tandem with one another or are they kind of they do but i don't think they're side by side i think mindfulness is more so just like it's it's works with Mm. self-awareness so it's understanding your presence and 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 your place in society is understanding like the things that you do how they can affect uh situations but i don't think it's necessarily like Saying like, "Hey, I feel for you. I feel what you're going through." I, mean, I think it's just as circumstantial. Okay, so you don't necessarily have to be mindful or have mindfulness for someone else as much as you need it for yourself. You need mindfulness all around. Okay. Yeah, it's an all-around thing. I think it's an ever-changing. It doesn't stop. Uh, mindfulness is just saying because empathy is like. I understand what you're going through and I empathize with that because I relate to that or, mm-hmm. or I care about you that much that your pain is, is makes me feel away. Right. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is saying I might have caused you pain and I understand why, or I do X, Y, and Z and I want to prevent you know, this certain trend that I've done in my past. Mm-hmm. It's just being a bit aware of who you are as a person and understanding how you maneuver throughout the world. Because very often, sometimes people will be aware of who they are and their, their you know, the things that they, they bring to a table and jobs and any situation. And they're like, this is who I am. It's not going to change. This is who I am. I don't care if you feel away about it. That's the opposite of mindfulness. Right. And it's, it's correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. it's no empathy in that either, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. As a leader, what would your three-step, what would be your three-step process for mobilization? Mm. I would say my three steps would probably be learning. Um, in learning, understanding, that's all in one. I would say conceptualizing. 
And then I would say finding a, a great execution and knowing like my weak points. Those are great. Thank you. I like number two, conceptualizing. Yes. Unpack that. For me, it's a lot of times, so we will know information, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just go and we don't have a clear plan. We don't have a clear idea of what we are trying to do. Um, we don't ha- like, it's, for me, the word intention, though, is something I use all the time. Right, mm-hmm. is is doing things with intention. Is knowing what you're trying to get out of a situation because you can go so many ways, right? You right. can have information, you can execute it, and it can go so many ways. But if you really want like that ball to go in that particular hoop, you have to have a, a, a game plan, right? Yes, you have to like, you know. And forgive me for my sports listeners, but like you have <laughs> to literally draw out a whole plan of how you're going to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And people miss that middle ground. They do. They do. It's so easy to. It's easy to because no one wants to do the work. Yeah, and the work is planning. The, the work preparation. is planning. Because the, in, 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 in that preparation is everything because you need that when you're, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it looks easy because you did the prep. Right. Most of cooking is prep so true unless you're roasting something or something that takes a, a crazy amount of oven time <laughs> it's usually like bam bam on the stove okay you're done yeah it's prep okay so conceptualization is prep mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a a very extravagant version of prep it's a little bit more of a it's more depth more in depth Okay. Huh. I'm going to take those three steps with me. I if you don't mind. No, I, no, I love and that. And I might plagiarize it. I'll give you your props. I'll give you your credit. My 10%. <laughs> so when you're, when you're cooking and conceptualizing meals, mm-hmm. are you cooking for yourself or are you cooking for others? Both. Okay. Um, it depends. Sometimes I cook for myself. It's a whole mood. Mm. Um, I wake up, make breakfast. Yeah. You know. And I'm not talking about the actual food. Right. The process. And in my head, it's as if someone's looking at it, even if they're not. Explain right. that a so little like bit. So like with plating, I learned this in culinary school, how to plate, how to, okay. you know, um, how to prep things a certain way so it looks a certain, uh, you know, way, how to julienne, which is like a, a certain cut, like, you know, with a small dice, medium dice, all these mm-hmm. things, uh, to vegetables, how to do your mise en place, which is just pretty much your, uh, your prep, and how to make, like, culinary school taught me how to have a whole setup and make your life easier. So you're not running around to the fridge. You're not running mm. around trying to find anything because you waste so much time in that process. So everything is there, right? As you need it, when you need exactly. it. Exactly. And they're yeah. intentional. Um, and so for me, when I cook, I, 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 I 
cook with that, having that idea in my head as if someone else is going to see what I'm doing. Okay. So. Huh. I, I'm not a cook. Yes, I, you are. It's in you. I hate cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll tell you a true story. Okay. So two times in my life, I say, you know what? I'm not spending money no more on fast food. Okay. I'm going to make and prep my own. Yeah. And, and I'm vegan. Good for so, you. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'm hype. I go to the grocery store. I get, get the stuff. By my third week, I start burning out. Like, man, I don't feel like standing up in this kitchen, prepping all. It should be fun. It's not. It's like a chore. It shouldn't feel like a chore. I, I know. it. I don't want it to. But, <laughs> but I really don't. Some people taking a shower feels like a chore. So, like. That's true. You know. But. Yeah. It shouldn't. Maybe that's something that happened in your childhood that you feel I, like. I've been trying to think about why. Because I want. Mm -hmm. I, like, I want to do it. You know, obviously, it's, it's going to okay. save me money. Yes. I know what the ingredients are, so I benefit health-wise. But I get home from work. I'm tired. Mm. I don't I, – I want it instant. I want it now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to think about – I think the other thing, too, is I'm not a real foodie. And then mm. this sounds crazy. Like, I'm not attached to food. Okay. I just eat so that I can continue to live and, and have energy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> sound crazy no, right okay. now. Tell me more. But, <laughs> so my mind, I'm like, man, I wish I could just have someone have the food for me and just I don't want to have to think of I don't even like thinking about what to eat. So if you made a bunch of food for me and you just put it in front of me, I'm like, thank you, Natasha. This is I'm gonna hey, eat you it. Go, you sound like every man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I just a man problem. <laughs> Because uh. <laughs> I feel like I have so much mental real estate, right? I don't want to think about what I want to eat. I, I'm getting to the point now, I don't even want to think about what I want to wear. I get what you're saying. I just, yeah, if I can just get to it quick and then keep going, that's better. There's so many things you can make. Like, there's so many 10 minute meals. I keep hearing that. You can make breakfast in 10 minutes. Um. Like, a legit, you can make waffles, like, you can make waffles from scratch. You can make a whole omelet. But then I got to clean up. That part. Yeah. That part. Yes. That part. I, you can, but you can also do stuff in one skillet so you save your life. There's this so many. Yeah, I'm, 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 I need, I'm, I need I'm some lessons or I'm something. Put you on. Please, I'm yeah. You on, yeah. Speaking, do you meal prep? Because I'm, I'm about to that, hire you. Right Might be my first, one of my first, uh, my first batch of clients. I actually was thinking about that. Please. Thinking about doing that, yeah. Vegan. I, <laughs> I got you. Right here. It's <laughs> funny. So I used to be a sous chef in New York at a vegan spot. Um, it was like just raw vegan. So not even, we did everything in a dehydrator um, to like cook, quote unquote, right? So we would do kale chips. We would do uh, coconut bacon. We could do mm. all of that stuff. And, and honestly, taste like it was the actual real thing. And you know how to do that? Can we start next week? I just, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday. No, for sure. It was. It's. It's yeah. so easy. It just. It's just knowing. You just got. You just have to know. That's why we'll have the knowledge. Yeah, I and don't have it. So listen, we will have the knowledge. <laughs> we'll learn, and then we'll conceptualize, <laughs> and then we'll execute. I just want you to make it. I, I'll stay out of no, it. No, 
I will pay you and I eat. I mean, that and works then we re up and we just get <laughs> yeah. makes life easy. That works too. Or I can, I can, I can teach you, and then you can go and get your, pr- you know, See your business it, it going. Starting to feel like work. I just <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like fun to me. Food is. I get what you're saying. It was. I, I got to a point where cooking wasn't fun. Mm. How? And what happened? Because I was when I was cooking in the kitchens, when I was cooking professionally. Okay. I was like, you're cooking for people now. Everyone has their particular taste, right? They yeah. Wanted, they wanted to taste like how they grew up. They wanted to taste mm-hmm. like what their you know dietary restrictions are. You know, one time I remember I was making something, and this woman said. She ordered, uh, she ordered a, a, a burger entree, and she didn't want the bun, didn't want the lettuce, <laughs> didn't want the onions, didn't want the cheese, she, and and she and she put it in like that, right? So uh-huh. she just wanted, ideally, she just wanted a steak dinner, so she wanted a steak and a side salad, but instead of steak, she wanted the burger patty because it's the cheaper option. Probably like one third of the price of what the steak entree would have been. And I think at that point I was just like, <laughs> "I'm <great>. done. I'm <laughs> done. I'm 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 done." So she wanted to use a burger patty as a steak. I pretty much, but instead of saying, "I just want a burger patty," maybe on like on a lettuce bed, she was just like, "Yeah, I want the burger. No, none of this. None of this. None of that. No sauce. No this. No that." Cut everything so you out. Just, you just want the, the patty. Okay. Yeah, you don't want a burger. <laughs> You want meat and you want meat and, a side. and lettuce, and lettuce. <laughs> iceberg to be exact. <laughs> you want cabbage? That's what yeah, you want? right. Okay. Yeah, put French fries on the side. Yeah, just, no, she didn't want none of that. And I think at that point, I was like, you know what? People are so particular when it came to food. It wasn't fun yeah. anymore. It felt like work. So you quit? I was over it. I was over it. And but now I'm in a point where cooking is enjoyable. Right. Like, I love it. Okay. It makes me happy. It's actually my love language. Really? Yes. Acts of service. Oh. Okay. Acts of service. Uh, That's, for me, that, to me, is part of, like, unconditional love. Hmm. Because acts of service is, again, is doing something and not saying you owe me. Okay. Right? So... I always took that, the the love language part, uh, acts of service, meaning that that's what you like or you would like to receive right. is somebody doing an act of service for well, you. Yes. But so love language is, is interesting because what you like for yourself, you might not necessarily do it for the next person. Right. Yes. So let's say uh, my love language is affirmations. Uh-huh. I personally, I think I give affirmations like words of affirmation, but I don't care to receive them as much. Mm. Like I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, and if I need it, I'm like, so you didn't tell me you like you know I was yeah. like, do you like this <laughs> but other than that i don't really i don't need it okay you know and some people do so it's, it's it's one of those things where it's like or my acts of uh my love language uh and it changes mm-hmm. probably the most difficult person it changes but <laughs> you know it changes we won't go into the love languages you know. but <clears throat> this next question i Hopefully this doesn't sound like a dumb question, but how important is it for a leader to have creativity? Extremely. I think, uh, especially in business, that goes hand in hand. Okay. Um, but 
but yeah, outside of business, to, we have to define creativity, right? C- correct. Uh, creativity could be in your own artistic uh, expression, mm-hmm. right? Uh, creativity could literally just be uh, could also mean unconventional, different from the norm. Exactly. Okay. You know what society normalizes and what um, everyone leans to. Mm-hmm. So for me, creativity takes different forms. Okay. Much like a leader, taking on different forms. You have to be able to adjust. Right. Be nimble. Mm-hmm. Adapt. Uh, I read something that said a leader speaks last. I, re- I think I read that somewhere yeah. too. And that means you listen to everything that someone has to say because they may say something that you were going to say or they may touch on something and you get all that information and then you figure out and you maneuver and you do creative thinking and then you come up with your final say. Right. And I think that, you know, so creativity can be so many things. It could be uh, on a logical standpoint, mm-hmm. you know. I started with the whole, like, left brain, right side of your brain. It's interesting because for me, it's like I'm both. Left and right. And left and right. Okay. Like, I'm, even, I'm taking uh, data science courses at Harvard and, like, wow. completely on a different side of the brain, right? But the yeah. same time, I love to cook, right? Yeah. I, uh, I love music. I love a lot of these things. And it's, you can do both. The you arts and both. the logical. Mm-hmm. Which one do you lean more on or lean to? I can't lean too much more. Like I if, if I'm too on the right side, I feel like there's no structure. Hmm. I feel a bit like it feels too uh, like unconventional. It just feels not. Like rigid? Yeah. Like it just feels like I don't know what's coming next. So then, then that anxiety comes, right? Where I you're get just that. like, it's like you're not free, like you're encapsulated in the box. But 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 it, it it looks like you're free. Yeah. Right. But I feel like you're you're uh you're kind of slave to the moment because the moment creates uh what what's gonna happen next. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's gonna happen next. That's that's what I feel like with in being in those creative spaces. True. True. Few more questions. What makes a leader great and iconic, in your opinion? Consistency. Um, Innovation. And some doing something epic um, that catches people's eyes. I think one of our greatest leaders uh, that we had was Barack Obama. And whether, you know, uh, someone likes him or not or agrees with all his policies, he was such a great leader because he was always always poised, always calm under pressure. Um, When he spoke, he spoke with empathy, Mm -hmm. you know. But it wasn't like he was a pushover either. Right. He was very firm. Trevor Noah is like that too. He is. One of my favorite, favorite people to watch because – he comes from a place of understanding, right? He wants to understand where you're coming from. He doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. He understands it. And he also makes you question yourself. 
he had um, an interview one time with uh, was it Tommy Lauren? She's like a alt right um, host, and she they had like an interview together, and she's always like, you know, she's always thinking about the the America that everyone else forgot, and like mm-hmm. speaks to like you know the the hands of Trump very often, and he. I think it was the only interview where he was able to get her to think outside of herself mm. and actually look at the bigger picture of humanity. Okay. So he swayed her to a whole different direction. But she was able to be like, okay. Wow. You know, which is, which is powerful. Yeah. Especially if she was hardcore. I have to look for that episode. All right. Come finish this statement for me. Mm-hmm. I am unstoppable when. I am unstoppable when I am vulnerable. I always speak about this book. Maybe you've read it. It's called Daring Greatly. No, I haven't. Brene Brown. I haven't. It's all about vulnerability Mm. and shame. Mm. And she says in a nutshell that your greatest power or your greatest strength is when you're most vulnerable. So you saying that triggered that thought. Check that out. No, you for will. sure. I would love that. Because this is great. You're unstoppable when, when, you're you're, vulnerable. when you're vulnerable. You have to know your weaknesses. Wow. Okay. I may know the answer to this based on what you said a little while ago, but what leader do you look up to and admire? Try not to say Beyonce. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, say Beyonce. It's different than what I, I thought. Just, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Barack. I was, was going to say Michelle, but um, what leader do I look up and inspire? Ooh, actually, um, so many. You can name two, three. I would say Oprah. Hmm. I would say Oprah. And then I would probably follow up and say, why is he slipping from my head right now? African leader was in jail. Nelson? Mandela. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. He has this saying, um, uh, he said in his book, uh, I think A Long Walk to Freedom, he said, if you want to see how much you change as a person, go back to where you're from. Mm. And that is, is, is powerful. Even like neighbor, former neighborhoods, you'll yeah. see how much you change. If you like, I used to live here. And it's like, you, you, that's how you can measure time. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Cause more than likely the same or yeah, some of the same people are going to be there. Same feeling. So there's a, a comparative analysis that you can do. Final question. Yes. This is called the tabula rosa. Okay. Which stands for blank slate. Okay. The artist that you are, you have a blank canvas in front of you. Mm-hmm. You have all the colors that you would possibly want and need. <clears throat> On this canvas, you're, you're going to paint, design, architect your life. Mm-hmm. Now, 
you've booked all of the modeling gigs, you've cooked across the world, your organization is service and taking care of all the children you could possibly imagine across the globe. Um, you've traveled, you've done any and everything that you could possibly dream of and more. Going back to this canvas, what picture do you paint for your life? And what colors do you use? I would say orange. And orange, blues, reds, some golds. Definitely vibrant. Vibrant colors? Yeah, vibrant colors. What do they represent, the colors? Happiness. Uh, fulfillment. Boldness. I think confidence also comes from experience. Okay. If you're inexperienced in something, chances are you don't have the confidence, True. right? True. Um, and also, like, a, a, the diversity in those colors. Mm -hmm. You know, because the diversity lies in the experiences, right? Yeah. The diversity lies in traveling and, and, and seeing different cultures and, and factions of the world and seeing uh, how society norms here in this country, how it changes when you go to Sweden, right? Yeah. Or you go any other place. And so definitely having that uh, collaboration of different colors for sure. It's an amazing picture. Would they just kind of like blend all together? Yeah. They would be all over the place. It'd be split, split, split. <laughs> be a kung fu color. <laughs> I like it. It'll probably sell for a lot, too. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a moment and salute you for your work. Thank you. For your boldness, for your, your confidence, your mindfulness, and the empathy that you give to the world, to, these, to the kids, because that's, it's needed. You Thank know, we you. need more people like you doing the work that you're doing thank you and you're you're cooking for the people these wonderful meals hopefully i'm involved in that some kind of way we'll, we'll get you some vegan <laughs> meals we will thank you i got you <laughs> um so yeah just yeah i want to honor you and, and say thank you. thank you and um you're a blessing to the world now i want to open the floor up for you to talk about um you know your, your organization Absolutely. and let people know where they can find you, Absolutely. social media, website, Absolutely. how they can donate if needed uh, or just be a partner. Absolutely. Go ahead. Just well, feel free to reach out. It is at a uh, new advocacy for healing. And um, we also have a Facebook page as well. Um, Instagram. Uh, feel free to send me a DM. I'm very hands on with that. Uh, we are funding. So I'm looking to do a fundraiser, um, at the beginning of next year where we're going to do like a benefit and have you know people perform right now i have a lot of uh people across the country who are very interested in providing uh their 
experiences and their services. So it's pretty much like a big brother, big sister program mm. where we're creating uh, uh, resources for kids. So if someone wants to be a chef and they're like, hey, I just, I'm 11 or 12, where can I go and find that experience, right? We'll mm. find someone who is a chef who has that experience and work with them and be their mentor. And or if someone wants to be a musician, right? We have, I have a very successful uh, friends as artists you know, um, some are very popular uh, that people may know, but also having them bring them on board and be a mentor so they can get that experience. So by the time they're in high school, they know what they want to do. So let's say if college is a, is a, a deal for them, they also know, like, okay, I want to go to this school, right? I want right. to go to Berkeley, right? I want to go to this. I, I know my path because I know I'm so sure what I want to do. I think the issue for a lot of us is that, the longer you don't know what it is that you want to do, the longer the delay is, right? Right. And then you right. find yourself in hidden places, and you learn amazing things, but it, it takes away from your journey. Yes, that's great. So, okay, it's at New Advocacy for Healing. For healing, yes. Um, is there a website? Uh, the, we are re uh, rebranding our website. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But Excellent. it will be uh, at the same, New Advocacy for Healing. All right. And that's Instagram, Instagram Facebook? Instagram, Facebook. All right. Excellent. Anything else? Uh, any no. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> All right. You have any questions for me? or? Um, yeah, so uh, what kind of vegan food are you looking for? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not picky. Just as long as it's, you know, I don't do hybrids. Okay. So like no carrots, broccoli, okay. cauliflower. But. I'm easy. I think. We'll see. We'll work, yeah, we'll work it out. Yeah, we'll work it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pleasure having me. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you for your time. Absolutely. Anytime. We're out. All right. Take care. There were so many great points throughout this conversation with Natasha. Her three-step process for mobilization. Number one, learning and understanding. Number two, conceptualizing. And lastly, great execution. I'm also going to follow in her footsteps and become unstoppable in my vulnerability. Please check out her organization on Instagram at New Advocacy for Healing. Let's all continue to exercise mindfulness, tap into empathy, take charge, and lead up. Please share this episode with family and friends. And if you're interested in donating, go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the donate link. Thank you for listening and your continued support.